0: Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
1: Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more.
2: This is MPB News.
0: Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 830 on Tuesday, November 10th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, UMMC begins a stage of clinical trials for a coronavirus vaccine. Then the open enrollment period under the Affordable Care Act has begun, but the health care plan's constitutionality is being questioned at the highest level by the Trump administration. Plus, lawmakers hold a hearing to consider options for year-round school. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Pharmaceutical manufacturer Pfizer says an early peak at its data suggests the vaccine it's developing may be 90% effective at preventing COVID-19. The interim analysis from independent data monitors looked at 94 infections recorded so far in a study that has enrolled nearly 44,000 people. However. The announcement doesn't mean a vaccine is imminent and trials of other vaccines continue, including at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, where a trial begins this week. Dr. Richard Summers, Vice Chancellor of Research, shares more about vaccine development with our Michael Guidry, starting with the Phase 3 results of the Pfizer trials.
3: The Phase 3 is really more of an efficacy trial to look to see if it's really works in the environment it's supposed to? Does it protect people from getting COVID and, and um, is a bigger trial? I think they said there was 40,000 in, in the trial for Pfizer.
2: So once a, a vaccine in, reaches the, the, the stage of, of trials, uh, what is the next step? And is this process going along quicker than what we're used to seeing when it comes to vaccine development?
3: Oh, absolutely. This usually takes years to develop. And usually after the phase three clinical trials, sometimes they'll do a phase four, but really it's ready for um, clinical use thereafter.
2: We have heard that there are different ways of developing a vaccine, different types of vaccine. Uh, What kind of vaccine is this Pfizer vaccine and how would it work?
3: One is, of course, what they call the killed virus vaccine, where they just take the virus itself and make it ineffective or dead, and um, inject that and get an immune response. And they have an, a, what they call an attenuated virus, where they um, modify the virus so that it's not virulent anymore, and, but it's still a live virus. And then there's the third kind, um, which is actually in our clinical trial that we're doing, is a what they call a recombinant uh, virus, where they take another uh, virus that's not very effective infectious or very harmful and um, combine it with the bad virus so that you get the antibody response, but it it doesn't have the risk of hurting you.
2: Uh, That's a great segue into what I wanted to ask you next, and that is the the clinical trials going on at UMMC. Um, What can you tell us about how that's progressing?
3: So uh, we began screening for enrollment today and expect to start actually doing vaccinations by the end of the week. Our virus is being run out of NIH, National Institutes of Health, and it's um, from Janssen Pharmaceuticals, which is a division of Johnson & Johnson. And it is a uh, recombinant vaccine, which means that they've taken an adenovirus, which is like in the common cold, and put the portion of it that would cause the antibody response from COVID onto that virus so that we'll get that response. The dish major difference in, in the vaccine that we're doing in the Pfizer is the Pfizer vaccine actually will require two um, uh, dosing at separate times, whereas this one requires only one. Now, this is in a clinical trial. Um, the Pfizer one, after they finish their clinical trials, will be ready to roll out for general use, but um, that may be months away, and it, even in the early stages, they're talking about using it more high risk patients like those in nursing homes and elderly, et cetera.
2: As you enter trials for the the vaccine at UMMC, is what you're doing on your campus being you know coordinated nationally with other with other similar trials to try to get a, a broader understanding of of the efficacy of the vaccine you're trying?
3: Yes, we're one of of many sites across the country, um, the prime site is at the University of Washington um, at the Fred Hutchinson Research Institute, but it's being sponsored by the National Institutes of Health. And and actually, you can volunteer for our trial. Um, you would speak to Joshua Agee A G E E, and the number for that is six zero one eight one five. 3663. And we began screening for our vaccine trial today. So our screening would require that you get a COVID test, and an antibody test, to make sure you're not actively with COVID now or haven't been exposed previously. And then so to test a vaccine, we need people that are naive to the virus that, that have never experienced it before to see if they get it. And then it would require being followed subsequently for months to see if you do have an antibody response and also to see if it's protective of you when you are exposed.
2: And how long will you, you said you follow, you will follow uh, people who um, get screened and volunteer for the trial for months. Uh, How long until you have uh, enough data from these trials to be able to make a determination of its efficacy?
3: Well, that'll be decided by NIH nationally. But um, I'm sure it'll be along the same lines as the Pfizer trials, which is around forty thousand patients.
2: We've heard Dr. Mark Horn uh, of the State Medical Association say that a vaccine or vaccines, if there are multiple, are just uh, another phase of the the mitigation strategy. So until we have widespread availability for a vaccine, what do we need to continue to do to keep transmission uh, of this of this virus at bay?
3: Well, even in the Pfizer trial it wasn't 100% effective. I they said it was 90% effective, but that still means there's some people at risk of of contracting the disease. So just like the flu, many people get flu shots every year, but there's still some percentage that come down with the flu even though they've gotten the shot. Um so still uh being cautious and and wearing your mask and social distancing and washing your hands and all the things that we've done previously will continue to be our best protection. And and even when the vaccine does come available to us, which may be months away, they'll, they'll probably first be rolled out to people at a, the higher risk. And so it may be some time before we have a, a kind of a national vaccination. Is
2: there anything else that um, I have not specifically ask you about that you think is important to articulate right now?
3: Well, the health department has plans in the near future for um, rolling out the government's plan for vaccination, and um, uh, they're in process of preparing the, the landscape for that. And, and of course, that's not a clinical trial. This what we're doing here currently at the medical center is a clinical trial.
2: Well, Dr. Richard Summers, Associate Vice Chancellor for Research at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, uh, thank you for your knowledge and your expertise in explaining what uh, might be on the horizon for vaccines for this disease.
3: Thank you.
0: Coming up, the open enrollment period under the Affordable Care Act has begun, but the health care plan's constitutionality is being questioned at the highest level by the Trump administration. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Open enrollment for health insurance through the Affordable Care Act began earlier this month. Ninety nine thousand Mississippi residents receive their coverage through the ACA, but those Mississippians could be at risk of losing health care coverage if the U.S. Supreme Court rules the Affordable Care Act is unconstitutional. Today, justices will hear oral arguments for and against the health insurance program. The Trump administration is seeking to end the ACA with a decision expected next year. Insurance Commissioner Mike Cheney says those in need of coverage can sign up this year, but is concerned about the ramifications if the program is struck down.
4: If you've never enrolled in the Affordable Care Act, you should go to www.healthcare.gov, and uh, on the screen you will see what state do you live in, and click on your state, in this case Mississippi, and it's a fairly easy uh, form to fill out and They will ask you some questions, and you need to have the information at hand when you go online on your income, your W-9s, or or your latest tax return, if you have one, because they're going to ask you what your income is, how many members of your family, and et cetera, and where do you live. And they're the questions that normally would be asked when you buy insurance, and it's easy to do. If you need help to fill that form out, you can always call 1-800-562-2957, and ask for help, and we'll, we'll direct you as to where to go. Again, that number is 1-800-562-2957.
0: How many plans in Mississippi are subsidized?
4: We have two plans in Mississippi that are subsidized. Both plans are offered throughout all 82 counties of the state. They're offered by AmBetter, which is part of Magnolia and Centene, and the other one is offered by Molina, which uh, in 2020 had uh, about 40 states. 40 counties, not states, and the state, and they now cover all 82. And, and the good thing for the consumers of this is this. Uh, they both have essentially the same networks, but one way we have a better network than the other. So it might be beneficial to look at each plan to see which network you want to stay in.
0: No one is required to have health care anymore. Is that correct?
4: Well, you're not required to have health care. There's no penalty for not having health care. But let me just say, it's not smart to go without health care. It doesn't matter if it's not the law. Uh, It's not smart to do that. When we have health care available to you at affordable prices, especially if you're under 250% of the property level, which is about uh, $35,000 for a family of, of three or four. And if you're worried about that number... Pick up a cell phone. Just about everybody has a cell phone, and, and Google uh, property level for the state of Mississippi, and it'll it'll pop up for 2021. Uh, that that's important that you have health care. We have approximately um, almost 400,000 people in the state that are uninsured. That's 12.9 percent of the population, totally uncalled for. If you can find health insurance and. I understand the problem of trying to have money to pay for health care, especially when you have high drug bills and you have high electrical bills or utility bills, but the drug bills are partially covered if you have health insurance, so that's why we say go to the ACA. And see if there's a plan there that will fit your needs. And if you have trouble, call 1-800-562-2957.
0: Commissioner Cheney, you well know that the Supreme Court is hearing arguments on the constitutionality of the Affordable Care Act. And they are expected to rule before their term ends. That would be next June. What does that mean for people who are enrolled in the ACA?
4: So the Supreme Court will hear the constitutionality of the ACA beginning on November the 10th of 2020. We have a nine-member court at the present time, so I doubt if there would be a tie. The Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals out of Texas, which Mississippi and Louisiana happen to be in the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, ruled that the ACA was unconstitutional. The Supreme Court will have to make a decision as to whether or not the plan is unconstitutional in the United States or, uh, it could rule that the plan is unconstitutional just in Texas, Louisiana, and Mississippi. I don't think it would do that, but let's just say that they did. Then that would mean that Louisiana, Mississippi, and Texas would have no Affordable Care Act, and you would have no federally subsidized health insurance. That would be catastrophic for the state, but the Supreme Court's a lot wiser than most most of us are, and they would probably give us um, a time certain to get the plan correct if they rule against the constitutionality.
0: What do you mean get the plan adjusted? What what would happen without another plan in place?
4: Well, the Supreme Court, if there's no plan in place and the Supreme Court rules that the present ACA is unconstitutional, I believe in their wisdom they would say you have until January 1, 2022 uh, for Congress to act and get a new plan in place or uh, it will be uh, unconstitutional beginning in January 1, 2022. I'm not saying that's what would happen, but that, I believe that's what they would do. It would be catastrophic. I'm telling you, it would be catastrophic for the courts to rule that the plan is unconstitutional, effective immediately, right then. If that were to happen, it would throw this whole country and the health care system into chaos.
0: Mike Cheney is Mississippi's insurance commissioner. Thank you, Commissioner Cheney. Thank you so very much. The Trump administration is seeking to end the health insurance program through a legal suit with and Mississippi is among the states that joined in the lawsuit. But the high court challenge hasn't stopped Dennis McDonald and his staff with the nonprofit My Brother's Keeper from signing people up for health insurance through the ACA.
5: The people that we're seeing and servicing need it. And they and a lot of like a lot of people do take advantage of it. It is helping a lot of people. So if, for instance, if the Supreme Court Act doesn't go through, and and they, of course, it, it won't affect this year. But if if it affects next year, then you're talking about over 200 million people that may be affected, that may have pre pre uh, existing conditions and all of that. So, it's 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 quite helpful to a lot of Americans, you know, and it gives you options to get assistance that may not be uh, Medicaid or Medicare or or being on. So it gives you options to try to get uh, better health care for yourself and your family.
0: How do you feel about the Trump administration seeking to end the program going before the U.S. Supreme Court?
5: Well, here,
0: our stand on it
5: is that that we hope it doesn't happen because we know Mississippians. um, We have a lot of people that are not insured and that are underinsured. And our goal is to try to get everybody with the best health care, especially now you see with COVID going on, there are a lot of health care concerns going on in our community. And so we want to make sure that everybody that, that can get help gets that help and that we can assist in any way possible, making sure that they know what the options are and that they win those options. There are a lot of things that are coming into play that people don't realize and don't understand, so it's important that we make our voice heard. And so it's our stand that this does not happen.
0: Well, we really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us and uh, appreciate that you are working to help folks. Well, Dennis McDonald with My Brother's Keeper, thank you so much for your time and shedding light on this. All right. Thank you. Enrollment for next year began November 1st and runs through December 15th. Coming up, lawmakers hold a hearing to consider options for year-round school. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Mississippi legislators are considering modifying the K-12 school year to an alternate schedule. Yesterday, the Senate Education Committee heard from experts about what year-round education would look like in Mississippi. The schedule removes the traditional summer break and creates several smaller two- or three-week breaks throughout the year. Corin school district has used an extended calendar for five years. Superintendent Edward Childress told the committee the decision began by assessing the district's goals.
1: Our ultimate goal at looking at moving to a modified calendar deal, specifically with focusing on um, student achievement um, and growth, and ultimately preparing our children for college and career readiness but at the same time with a focus on equity and and i think that's something that is a serious part of the conversation that it deals with the equity of learning for all students and it's the equity of learning that we made sure when we went to a one-to-one initiative uh, five years ago that every child had a device just as mississippi is doing right now um, equity is extremely um, important. But as we look to it, time is part of the equation. And as we look at the availability of time, 330 minutes of school day, and it goes all the way down to 772,200 minutes of school um, that a child is going to be in from kindergarten through 12th grade. So time is going to be the first part of an equation that we're going to talk about in just a minute. But that's ideal time, that's not taking out student absences, that's not taking out teacher absences, that's not taking out time for assessment, other school activities that you're going to have. And what we see is, is that some students need more time than they're going to see during the regular school day.
0: Childress says the adaptation of a new calendar requires coordination with other entities in the community, starting with introducing the calendar early.
1: We had even put out proposed calendars that showed how a modified calendar would look, where people saw it in advance rather than just seeing it at the first time that it was being adopted by a board. We had to have those conversations with community organizations. We had to have those conversations with daycare providers, because those are very important to your operation and you have to do. And at the same time, we had to have conversations with teachers um, and administrators. And I guess what I would say is we were really moving in the right direction. But when teachers said, this is the right thing to do for our children, That's really what clinched the deal in Corinth. So I give the teachers the credit because the teacher said we need to look at opportunities to provide real-time remediation rather than looking at only a summer school model or an extended school year model. Now, going back to that equation and going back to the wraparound services, just adding extra days, which we offer during the intercession, Just adding those days is not the answer in itself. And so that's what I would say is if people want to look at this, you can't just add extra days for children to receive remediation enrichment. You've got to make sure that you do some strategic planning and that you have that quality instruction and everything that you need to have in place.
0: In the modified calendar, breaks between academic sessions are used for additional student engagement programs. Childress says it's important for these programs to be engaging.
1: During those th- uh, five weeks of intercession, we, as I said, run that program from eight until three. We take the traditional holidays; they remain, but during intercession, we look specifically at doing remediation, enrichment, and other activities. Now. When we look at that remediation, enrichment, and other activities, it's designed to include all of the components that you would have. So we're going to make sure that we have a full range of activities going on. We're going to focus on reading. We're going to focus on mathematics. We're going to focus on writing. But at the same time, we're going to have art activities. We're going to have music activities. We're going to have physical education activities because we want it to be an experience that children will enjoy. Technology has been a long part of it, and I think technology will change a lot of where we go um, in the future.
0: Legislators say they are not looking to enact a mandatory statewide change but are considering ways to make year-round learning easier for Mississippi school districts. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio.